in crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by one member of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. And today we are going to be premiering part two of XRP Unleashed, a documentary you may see on Hulu, Netflix, and several other streaming services towards the beginning of 2025. And you're only going to get that exclusive insight here. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Polygon Labs is cutting nearly 20% of its staff in an effort towards enhanced performance. We'll break down how Chainlink is also breaking out of its trading range. Now passing that $18 mark, it doesn't seem to have any major levels of resistance until nearly $28. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, first of all, welcome back to the program, my friend. We missed you and I'm excited to have you here. We got some really exciting news and a lot of people are excited about the insight we have for the XRP Unleashed documentary, but the Chainlink price chart, the Polygon news, there's a lot that we're going to discuss during today's episode. So first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Well, Abs, I'm feeling great, and it was a heck of a week. It was great seeing you in person at the WWE Royal Rumble and then getting to meet one of the greatest of all time, Hulkamania. But Abs, it was wonderful. Let me just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you and appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. What a great week it was. Boy, it was awesome uh, to be down there with you and get to spend some time in not so much warm weather like you would have expected. But I'm happy to see all the Warrior Maniacs out there. I love you guys. Miss you guys. We love you, Johnny, and we're excited for today's episode, guys. We already got 235 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And today, we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers this morning, we've got green bubbles across the board. Chainlink is up 12%. AVAX is up 10%. Solana is up nearly 6%. And Flare Token is up about 8% on the day. Johnny Crypto, I want to dive right into the Chainlink price chart for just a brief moment here before we get into our content, because we had an interesting phone call last night where I discussed moving one of my other assets into Chainlink because of the optimism in the price chart. Now, let's not give away my trading portfolio here. So don't break down the trade that I actually made. We got to wait for it to be a success before we bring it to Good Morning Crypto. But I do think this is really interesting. When you look at the price chart without any narratives, I'm pretty much unbiasedly here. There is almost no trading resistance from $18 all the way until this trading range between $24 and $28. Wouldn't surprise me at all if we got past that $28 range and we are looking at a $40 chain link in the next couple of months. That's just my opinion. I wanted to get some of your thoughts on air before we break down this episode. What is, what's your reaction to chain link? First of all, the price chart. Second of all, the narrative. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, when, when you talk about investing, you, you want to look at areas that you believe in areas that you think have viability to be sustainable in the future. At least that's how I look at it. And so when you look at the segments, you'll say, okay, where's Chainlink? What is it? Well, it's interoperability. Well, you know me, I know that there is no way the cryptocurrency market or the blockchain market can, can thrive, can be successful without interoperability. It's just what it unlocked the internet, right? TCP IP. Well, 
to me, interoperability is going to be the key for the future of crypto and blockchain technology success and adoption. And that starts with things like Chainlink and Quant. And so for me, I absolutely love Link. I think everybody should have some of it in their portfolio. And when you look at the chart, if you can bring it back up, what was impressive about it is, boy, there was a huge, look at that. There was a huge, when, when we talk about DCA and look at that huge opportunity from July to October, you had a huge opportunity and you still do, but boy, you could have been buying this thing for pennies on the dollar at $5 or $6 um, and putting that in your bag for something that was a $40, you know, reached a $40 peak. Abs, that's an 8X, you know, <laughs> you tell me where you can make 8X in the stock market. You're not gonna, um, but look at that. The, so look at where it was, right? It, it, it it consolidated so strong for that six months period at that five to six dollars. But now we're at the next level, right? Which we're sitting around what is that, thirteen dollars, fifteen dollars, somewhere around there. And you can see it's starting to base again. When you see a staircase effect, that's usually a good sign that you know we're just going higher and higher. So I think you made a good move, smart move getting into it. I don't think you're going to regret this trade in the long run. I agree with you, Johnny. And we already got 300 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. We're going to get right into this XRP trailer for today. And this is very exciting because this episode is very different from the last trailer we showed you. So throw your comments in the live chat. I'm very interested to hear what you guys think. But with that being said, here's XRP Unleashed Part 2. So I think you'll, uh, you'll dig this as something that we made in the office. On, on Ethgate. Gave a speech and they cashed it. And everybody recognizes that gentleman. Right there. Bill Henman. Bill Henman came to the stand in 2018 and gave his famous speech where he declared that Ethereum wasn't a security. The SEC tried to allege that all sales of XRP were an unregistered securities offering. December 21st, Brad Garlinghouse came out and basically informed the world that uh, they were soon going to be sued by the SEC. The SEC is preparing to sue that crypto startup for selling unlicensed securities. Can you explain your view of whether Ethereum is a security or not, but then why you believe that Ripple is a security. We don't get involved in, in these types of public forums talking about any one uh, project. We believe current offers and sales of Ether are not securities transactions. The SEC is trying to capture the digital asset space. They went after Ripple and specifically XRP is because it was the biggest threat to the incumbent banking and financial system. You know, the United States government is probably the biggest bully in the world. I read the complaint and it was terrible news. People are going to lose money and people had their life savings in XRP. All right. Welcome to Regulatory Capture 101, also known as ETHGATE. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. I got, I, I got to get, hold on a second. I got to wipe the goosebumps. The goosebumps, oh man. the hairs are lifted on the skin. That was amazing. I mean, that that is really, really, wow. There's some exciting stuff there. You can see we're getting ready to go down, or they're getting ready to go down the rabbit hole to see what's going on here. Uh, you know, and you heard Gary's comments. I mean, that literally said it all. 
Oh, we don't comment on these cases, you know, one by one. Yeah, we don't comment, of course, because we chose to go after one and not the other. And he didn't have a much better answer than that. So that was really, really awesome. Uh, but I, I'm really excited of what the uh, the producers and developers of this film are putting together, Abs. I think they've done a really, really nice job, as you saw in this segment, of where this movie is going to be going, this documentary, I should say. And boy, guys, when this thing comes out, and I know it's going to be towards the latter part of next uh, this year, you're going to want to see this one. This is really, really exciting stuff. Oh, so, Johnny, what I want to talk about is how is why this is important, right? We've never seen an XRP documentary come onto a streaming service like Netflix, like Hulu. And the way that they're shooting this, we've been able to speak with the producers both on the phone and behind the scenes. What they've told us is that we could see this on multiple streaming services. We could see it on Netflix. We could see it on Hulu. Yeah. And what I think is that when the Ethereum narrative hits the open market, there's a lot of people on Netflix who barely know anything about crypto. When they start hearing about XRP and they paint this really interesting picture with good characters like John Deaton, and we know Coach JV's in this thing. We've got a bunch of other names. I don't know what we're allowed to share yet, but they're going to paint this picture that regular people were harmed by the SEC. And they're going to be talking to people like us I do think there's going to be repercussions from that, guys. There's going to be massive attention from the mainstream networks talking about not only Ethereum, but what the XRP community went through. So I want to see ones in the live chat if you would watch this documentary. Throw a two in the live chat if you're just not interested yet. But Johnny, do you think this is going to have anything, any real impact on the open markets, specifically the fact that John Deaton is going to be taking everyone down the, the ETH gate rabbit hole? You know, whenever you're projecting what, what what an impact could be on the markets per se is a very, very tough thing. I'm not so sure, you're, especially if you'll even see an instant impact. But what I think it will do, the impact it will have, it will educate people. It will bring them into the space. It will help. I mean, a lot of people watch Bitcoin, right? And they started talking about it because I think, you know, when you put them on these popular series, you start to draw awareness to it. And I think this one will do the same thing. Um, it'll bring some It'll bring some people into the space help them understand it. The problem is it also, to some degree, because it's going to be talking about a scandal with ETHgate, it could also scare some people. So it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of impact it has. But I think at the end of the day, it's most certainly going to educate people on how XRP was kind of unfairly treated. And that's really what you saw here. I mean, you saw it right there in the questioning. Gary was asked, hey, what's going on here? And he refused to answer, right? He just kind of deflected like he always does. That's why I call him Gary Gary Dantzler because he danced around the question. But I think at the end of the day, you know, there's some people asking when it's going to come out, Abs. Guys, we know this is probably going to be projected to come out uh, in the second half of this year. So, well, of course, you'll know about it because we'll be having the final trailers. We'll be showing you all the trailers as they get released along the way. So keep it out for the next one. It could, could be some... You may see some people that you you do recognize in there, but we're we're super excited about this thing, Abs, because like you said, we finally have people drawing attention to what's really going on here and following the journey of XRP and Ripple and where it started and where it's headed and where it's going to end up uh, going. I think it's interesting too where we are in the market and when this thing is going to release. If we get some positive momentum towards the end of this year, not only for for altcoins in general, but for XRP. And then we have people who are looking up the currency and then they stumble upon this documentary. It's going to open up a whole new rabbit hole for themselves. And it is going to change the way that people think about these assets, especially Ethereum. When we talk about Ethereum, we're going to go through an article later in this episode where Santander is predicting that an Ethereum ETF will be approved in May. And let me just briefly break this down, Johnny. Uh, Standard Charter reportedly anticipates the U.S. federal regulators will greenlight their offering of a spot Ethereum exchange happening this May. 
They're anticipating that by May 23rd, Van Eyck, 21 shares, and Standard Charter will have their Ethereum spot ETF products approved. Standard Charter's head of digital asset research says Ethereum and Bitcoin have key legal and financial status similarities, which makes it likely that the spot Ethereum ETF will also be approved this fall, or sorry, this spring. Kendrick says that the price of Ethereum may increase to $4,000 by May 23rd, and he's not anticipating nearly the sell-off we saw for, for Bitcoin based on the news, because the reason that Bitcoin dumped was only because of Grayscale converting their funds. So that was kind of what they said within this article. But what does he state right at that top? Ethereum and Bitcoin have key legal and financial status similarities, which makes it likely that a spot Ethereum ETF will also get approved. I disagree. And I think that this type of documentary is going to show people the story for Ethereum is much more confusing than we'd like to believe. Who the founders are, who this kid Vitalik Buterin is, came out of Russia, absolutely nowhere, slept on Brad Garlinghouse' couch for some <laughs> reason in 2013. It's The story is just unbelievable. And hopefully that this Netflix documentary will only expand on that. First of all, address the Ethereum trust news. Do you think they're actually going to convert this product in May? Second of all, what do you think about the evidence? Ethereum and Bitcoin are not nearly as in common as they'd like them to be. You know, I think that in terms of an Ethereum ETH, ETH, uh, ETF, we're going to get one. I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, the SEC has already, the SEC has had plenty of time if they're going to come after Ethereum to come after. Don't you think, Abs? <laughs> They've had plenty of time, and we haven't seen any evidence that they're coming out after them. I don't know if if, if, if anything's going to change that. Maybe this documentary could draw some more attention to it, but the reality is I think we're going to see that at the end of the day, Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like it feels like ETH has gotten a free pass and will continue to do so. And you'll know that for sure. The the true validation for that will be if they get the ETF. When the ETF happens, if it does, then it's over. You're not gonna there won't be an ETH scandal. It'll be too late. If they're gonna be one, they're gonna stop it before they get down that path, I think, in my opinion. Johnny Crypto, I'm going to ask you to just take the open floor for one second here because I am getting a knock at my door. But I want you to break down this tweet right here on July 13th, 2023. XRP soared from 42 cents to 94 cents in a single day. Since that date where Judge Torres declared uh, XRP is not in and of itself a security, the asset's down over 47%. While Bitcoin is up 33%, Ethereum is up 20%, Cardano 42 Solana up 249% during that time. Maybe you can address some of the conspiracies as to why you believe that this legal status and the clarity that was provided in July isn't impacting the market right now. Well, you know, like I said from day one, you know, everybody kept saying, you know, what do we think the price of this thing is going to do? How high is it going to go? Everybody thought this would break all new time highs. I, I told you, Abs, right from the get go, I thought we'd go back to where we were pre pre-trial. So before the announcement, pre-announcement, we were around 70, 80 cents. I always thought. That's where we'd be and go back and watch the tapes. You know, maybe I even said as high as a dollar, maybe a dollar twenty, but I never thought we were going to be going significantly higher because of the fact that the only thing that drives things up or down is liquidity. It's money. And the money had been sucked out of it, out of the whole entire crypto market. There's only some learning that's going to find its way. And so what you saw happen was exactly what I thought would money that was already in the pool in the whole entire altcoin or crypto space. You know, exited some of that and rolled over into this, right? And 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 that's what drove the price up. But as you can see, it wasn't sustainable. People who had bought earlier were going to dump at a two x profit, 
And that's where you saw it pull all the way back down. You didn't see new money coming in, nor did I think we'd get a lot of new money coming into the space because of the fact that we were in a bear market. There was, you know, there was no printing press turned on. There was no extra liquidity. There was no clarity around, for example, you know, a Bitcoin ETF. So other than the, the one clarity on that day, I just didn't think that would it would um, drive this thing much higher than that. Now, what I did think was it would set a new level. I did say that I thought we would go from where we were at the 40s and 50s up to a higher level. And I thought we'd pull back and hang out around the 70 cents range. And that hasn't happened. We've actually pulled all the way down back to the 50s again. And we're hanging out in that 50 cent range. Now, here's what's interesting. You're getting a lot of people, a lot of people. Some of even the the, the XRP uh, maximalists, if you will, losing faith, a lot of fear. People are really starting to give up on XRP. That, my friend, is when it's time to buy. Remember, you want to buy the FUD, you want to buy the fear. You don't want to buy the excitement. So you got to wait to see how low does this thing go? Where does it bottom out? We are getting to the point in the ascending triangle or is a decision or descending triangle. There's a decision point that's coming and XRP is going to go one way or the other somewhere in the April timeframe. And I'll tell you what, I didn't come all this way to sit here and sell my bags two months before decision point is going to happen. No freaking way. We're going to wait. We're going to see what happens. Plus, I'm holding on this thing through the bull run. I got an exit plan set up apps. I will be following my exit plan. When Merlin tells me to sell, I'm selling. I am not going to be, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, it could go higher. No, no, no. My, if my targets get hit, I'm selling, and I'm going to put that into other stuff, those profits. And I think there's a lot of validity to the frustration, right? When we're watching some of these other projects touch these 2Xs, 3Xs, while we're just descending into the abyss, it's these articles that give me hope. As a major crypto CEO states, the XRP ledger could process $50 trillion in transactions by 2025. And you read that correctly. This is not a misquote. I brought up the video right here. So let's actually listen to what the CEO had to say about 30 to $50 trillion trading on the XRPL DEX because tokenized assets are just about to enter this market, Johnny. Very exciting. Here we go. 50 trillion, all on XRPL trading on RTX. <laughs> here we go. I find my original projections, but the, the total market is 1.4 quadrillion, everything that's ever out there. And if you start looking across any of those asset classes, they're all starting to move on chain already. Um, and the ease with which we've seen people interested in money market funds, tokenized treasuries and those types of instruments, the support for stable coins, when you're talking about replacing cash, when I see DTCC, Euroclear, Clearstream, you know, it only takes one of them to flip onto natively digital. And that's trillions of assets um, on its own that move. So, you know, tens of trillions, I think we could see. And bearing in mind, it's 1.4 quadrillion. This is still a tiny slice of a huge market, you know, 30 to 50 trillion, all on XRPL trading on RTX. Here we go, $50 trillion. Two years from now, Ripple Twitter will replay the session. So Johnny, I just want to remind you that this is from 2023. So we only got 12 months left. He may have to extend his timeline, but I like what he talked about from a tokenized economic standpoint. I can break down an article in reference to this. I'm just going to flip my audio really quickly for our listener. Let's go through some of the details of what he was asked and what led him to this conclusion. So the discussion was centered around bringing the financial markets on chain through tokenization, and many of the key panelists had different forms of insight. The SVP of Ripple initiated the discussion by highlighting that real-world asset tokenization bridges and the tokenization of the traditional realm will be involving cryptocurrencies. This integration enhances economic productivity through the utilization of blockchain technology. He also asserted that tokenization would propel the crypto landscape dealing in billions to operating in trillions of dollars during the upcoming years.
He highlighted that T assets initially concentrated on real estate, meaning tokenized assets, but later diversified into various asset categories, including private debt and equity. It's now exploring opportunities such as jet mining over the coming years. He highlighted that tokenization is expanding across various sectors, including in liquid use cases such as treasury bills, a, another view panelists agreed with. The SVP at Ripple directed the panelists to speculate on real-world asset tokenization size, primarily by the fourth quarter of 2025. And that's where we got this video right here. And I just want to give a shout out to this man. He recorded my video and didn't give me a shout out, but that's okay, guys. We've all been there. Johnny Crypto, I want to get some of your thoughts on what's happening on the decks. First of all, 30 to 50 trillion is a huge number, but his rationale was that this is a quadrillion dollar market. That's less than 1%. If we're able to get 30 to 50 trillion dollars, that is less than 0.3% of the 1.4 quadrillion in the market today. I don't think when you look at it from that perspective, it's that crazy, but maybe you have a different uh, perspective you'd like to share. Well, first of all, Abs, remember, always do unto others what you want done to yourself. <laughs> rule. I always live by that rule. So that's a good rule, guys, for everybody. Treat others like you want to be treated. But uh, so hopefully that guy is listening and he'll make sure next time to give you credit as credit's due. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I think... Um, you know, obviously, let's not get too excited. CEO of a company touting that his company is going to have trillions running on it. I mean, that's common, right? Uh, but what I will say, and I've told you this for a while, is tokenization, I think, will lead to a huge, huge slice of the pies here. And I don't think any one company is going to own all the tokenization. It's going to be a series of different blockchain solutions. And I think that, uh, for example, XRP could be one of those solutions and it could get a sliver of the pie and the pie is big. And if the pie is big and it can get a little sliver of that, well, it's one, two, two, three, whatever trillion it is. You know, what we're looking at is what is that daily trade volume? That daily trade volume is going to be then setting what the price of XRP is. So if we end up getting in those to, to the one or two or three trillion dollars, you know, then that's that, that that'll end up giving us a, a $10 XRP. And so, you know, and I think some people are, are looking forward to that. Now, that's a utility price. You have to remember, we're still in the speculation. As much as everybody thinks we're in utility apps, we're not. Sorry, guys. I'm not going to. I'll burst the bubble because I'll am I'll be realistic, right? We're nowhere near free world full-blown utility. We're not even near but that. But that's positive, remember. But that's exactly right, Abs. We're headed towards it. But you have to remember, before you get to speculation, I'm sorry, before you get to utility, there's speculation phase. You have to get through all of that first. And we're still in that phase right now. And the reason why I'm saying this is because that means we could actually see $10 prices without utility justifying $10 prices. Just like in 2000, we saw $125 Amazon price. But it wasn't worth $125 at the time. It wasn't producing income to derive $125. But the speculation of it drove it up that high. And then it came down for 10 years before it actually retouched that point again when the utility actually supported $125 price. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is everybody's all down on XRP. And what I'm saying is, well, don't be so down because it still has another speculative bull run coming up this year, you know, this year or next year, right? Within the next one to two years, XRP will go along through the speculative phase just as will all the other altcoins. And this time around, it won't have the SEC monkey on its back. And so we're going to see, can we get to all-time highs? Can we bust higher than that? There's a lot of thinking that somewhere between 5 and $10 is very realistic. So we'll have to wait and see.
Johnny, I don't know if you remember this, but back in, I believe it was October of last year, it could have been a little bit earlier, we had a representative from Wells Fargo, supposedly an insider, right? And this is Shannon Thorpe. Let's just go to her Twitter real quick to see what her Twitter handle says. Yeah, it doesn't list her job in here, but she's a Wells Fargo employee, and she was talking about how she believed that fair value for XRP was between 200 and $500. Now, those numbers are absolutely ridiculous, but one of the people on Twitter asked her to follow up on this, and this is what she had to say. The current charts for XRP utility do not exist. In fact, what you're doing is a true injustice to the XRP community. This is in response to a TA guy on Twitter. The premise of your argument is based solely on what was the speculative nature of XRP founded from market sentiment and buy and sell pressure. Do you know how nonsensical it is for you to dismiss utility in your qualification approach? Let's our quantification approach. Let's see. XRP until further notice is not a security. Thus, charting a token based on what people think is nonsensical at any moment past that pink line. And for the first time in history, we are faced with a token that no longer governed by your charts, rather its utility in various business sectors. In your short and uncomprehensive tweet, you make no mention of utility. Why? It is because you fail to understand what you are charting. Surely that can't be the case, as there is no way for you to misinform your followers, yet you have. So now she's just firing shots at this man that's not important you you may know how to chart meme coins like btc with no utility but past that you are lost and the answer is not in the charts it's the tokenomics of xrp you lack the skill to sit and understand how these coin functions yet you feel they need to instruct retail on what they should do how do you solve a multi-trillion dollar problem with a 50 cent xrp it's a rhetorical question because you can't and I think that's a great point, Johnny Crypto. That last line really does hit home. When we talk about the evaluation of these assets, first of all, I want to remind people, this is Shannon Thorpe, a Wells Fargo employee today. She still works there and she calls herself an insider. She's stating that utility, first of all, can't be charted and it's misleading to use the price charts in order to figure out the fair value of XRP. I feel like, now I know there's a lot of conclusions being jumped to here, but I feel like that's a very safe argument. I think that's actually... Probably the best argument you could make for why XRP is not doing the things, and we highlighted this earlier in the episode, like Solana and Cardano and Ethereum that are having these 30, 40% gains per month, yet XRP, the only asset sitting here with United States clarity, continues to dip. Why would that be, Johnny? They're solving a multi-trillion dollar problem partnered with 500 global institutions. They're testing this technology, and I promise you this, when they're ready to roll this out, the last people they're going to tell is the XRP community, guys. They are not going to let us know on Twitter, on CNBC, hey, we're going to start tokenizing assets using the XRPL because there's no advantage to them. There's They get no benefit from that, right? Until they're ready to dump these assets on us and use us as exit liquidity, they're not going to talk about it on the mainstream news. And that's why I think I know this is a little bit conspiracy-minded, but there's a lot of validity in this. If there is tokenized assets being implemented on the XRPL, then what we've done in the price chart thus far is basically irrelevant. And I've, I feel as if I've, I've already stated what I wanted to say, Johnny. So before we get into some more content, for, what's your takeaway and do you have a rebuttal? Well, I mean, first of all, you're right. She took a safe approach. Second of all, this is exactly what I've been saying. See, she's talking about a utility phase and what the price will represent when we're in utility and that nobody can predict that. And she's right. Nobody can. Because none of us know how big the utility is going to be. But what she's also failing to recognize here is the time from speculation to, 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 to full-blown utility is typically 14 years. And so the question now is, until we get there, 
it's anybody's guess of what that's going to look like. Now, we're all going to make speculation, and you can have speculative charts, an S-curve chart of what this could be and how high it could go depending on you know how much of the market it gets. Why do you think we've been talking to you guys about the importance of the trade volume? The trade volume is what's going to dictate how high the price goes. But none of you could build models. You could build tons of different models of, hey, if XRP gets this much of the market, what is the price going to be? Or if it gets that much in a market, what's the price going to be? But none of that's going to matter until we get utility apps. And everybody thinks we're getting utility this year. Or, oh, I keep hearing everybody saying, oh, even Monica Long. Oh, this is the year of utility. No, 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 no. This is the year, maybe, of the start of utility. Well, the price at the start and the price at the end are two very different prices. So at the end of the day, this is what people are not understanding. Everybody's going to get confused. They're going to hear the word utility, and then they're going to think maximum price. And that's not, sorry, guys, don't work that way. But you're watching this show, you're listening, and you understand. You're educating yourself right now. And when you hear people talk about utility, don't fall in the trap and think, oh, my God, utility's coming next year. We're going to max out. No, utility will start. We're in the process of seeing utility start right now. We're seeing some ETH utility, right? ETH is kind of one of the few. You got AVAX. You've got all these blockchains to develop some utility apps, but we're nowhere near the level of utility that we're in the utility stage. We're not there yet. We're in the building stage. Right? In fact, to be honest with you, we're still more in the speculative phase, the last probably speculative phase before we go into the utility build and then the utility run, but that's still many, many years away. And I got to say this now because Tim France commented, come on now, Ab, you're sounding like Jimmy Valley and those buyback clowns. I hope I didn't come off that way. I've never been a proponent of the buyback, and I do not believe in these astronomically high price targets for XRP. I'm just trying to come to a conclusion about why when we look at the open market, Chainlink, Solana, Cardano, AVAX, all of these tokens are have literally done a 100x in the last four months. But our asset with the best technology, the best partnerships, clarity in the United States is sitting here trading below 50 cents this morning. So I hope I don't sound like I'm a maximalist in any way, shape, or form. But I do think it's more likely to believe this, Johnny, that there is something about XRP that leads people to think different things are happening here, right? The way the price chart looks, the way the partnerships are announced, the fact that Bank of America hung in with Ripple for over two and a half years during the SEC lawsuit, it tells me that people are looking at this technology not only for tokenization, but possibly for the development of central bank digital currencies. And I want to give the bearable bull a shout out this morning as well, Johnny. He played a great video from the IMF where the IMF managing director stated right now, there's 196 central banks on the planet. 130 of those are already involved in the development of central bank digital currencies. Now, that doesn't mean they're developing it publicly. It doesn't mean that they're addressing the idea. It means that they're working with the technology behind the scenes and they're figuring out exactly how they're going to launch these products in the next four to five years. Correct. The XRPL is in those conversations. Ripple is at Davos. Ripple is partnered with some of the biggest companies on the planet. And so I think it's a safe assumption to say that there's more going on here than meets the eye. And it's only right for us to have these open discussions. We are not maximalists, but I do think XRP is a special token when I look at the crypto market overall. Yeah. I don't think, you know, Abs, I don't think anybody can can fault you for thinking that. I did I think it'd be foolish to do so. But you know, when you look at and you listen to what these uh central banks bankers are saying, they've all said that they think a CBDC will be coming. And that they think it would be coming somewhere into 28 timeframes. So you're talking four years still from now, right? Now, at that point, we could talk real utility. That's when you'd see real. Until then, 
This is just testing. This is learning. This is more speculative phase until we get to, you know, when the central banks, if they come out and announce, hey, we've developed this system, we're using it. This is the blockchain it uses. Whatever blockchain that is, that blockchain will then, you know, be deemed for utility or, or under the census of, hey, this thing is now in a, a good, you know, not full-blown utility, but the start of some serious amount of utilities. So, and, and there's so many different products. The world, again, abs, we're in the beginning. It's like, it's like, it's like when it's like when you know I see people in the chat saying, "Oh yeah, Johnny, I think utility is closer than you think." Yeah, some utility is closer, but I'm when I say utility, I'm talking about utility of the whole entire blockchain space and the whole world being completely tokenized, and we are way, way far away. But we're in the start of it, Abs. But we are still very far away. And I just want to give a shout out to Dell. I missed you too. I missed all you guys. And yes, Chaka, you are spot on. Utility is in diapers, just like Abs was in 1997-98. But we saw how great Abs grew up to be, and I think the crypto market's going to grow up like that too. You could also say utility is still in diapers, just like Johnny in 2035, guys. But we got 521 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. We want to get into the Ripple hack. We are going to play the remainder of the XRP Netflix trailer. For anybody who's just joining the show right now, let us know in the live chat with a one if you want us to play that again. But here's some new information from Binance in regards to the Chris Larson wallet hack from yesterday. I'm also going to show you Chris Larson's wallet and just how many XRP it currently has in it. Because this is interesting, guys. Let's dive into the details and then we'll have an open discussion. After finding out early about the exploit that occurred at Ripple, we're happy to announce that the Binance team has managed to freeze $4.2 million worth of stolen XRP by the exploité. We appreciate the community's efforts in flagging it to exchanges. As always, Zach XBT did a great job and Ripple's teamwork in collaborating with us. We will continue to support Ripple in their investigations and their efforts to retrieve back the funds, including closely monitoring the majority of funds still in the exploiter's external wallets in case they deposit them to Binance. Our team is firmly dedicated to supporting a safe ecosystem, so we always encourage projects and users to reach out to us in instances like this. Stay safe out there, says Richard Tang of Binance. Well, Johnny, I had a follow-up question here because first of all, he talked about a Ripple hack. He didn't say Chris Larson. The only company he mentioned in this tweet is the exploit that occurred at Ripple. We're happy to help Ripple, the team at Ripple, right? Well, what did Brad Garlinghouse say? Given some irresponsible speculation and reporting, I want to reiterate that no Ripple managed wallets were compromised. Full stop from Brad Garlinghouse. This was another update from Chris Larson. This is an isolated incident and the Ripple wallets are secure slash were never compromised. We've confirmed nearly that all affected funds were converted out of XRP. Well, let's, let's look at the wallet and see how much Chris Larson actually has, Johnny. This took a lot of investigative journalism here, as I like to say. Figuring out who owned this wallet wasn't that difficult because it's one of two employees. The first wallet that we're looking at with $1.9 billion worth of XRP that's Chris Larson's wallet. That has nearly 4% of the circulating supply here. And the $1.5 billion in the other wallet, that would be Brad Garlinghouse, guys. So they labeled them as Ripple 1 and Ripple 2. But Google this. Check out the rich list at xrprichlist.com, I believe. You can find this information. And here was my follow-up question. Here's the important clarification for Brad and Chris. No wallets or systems at Ripple have been compromised. However, Chris Larson's significant holdings of nearly 2 billion XRP raises concerns for the rest of the community. As a former CEO and current board member of Ripple, his security is paramount to the XRPL. 
Full transparency and accountability are, are needed to address any additional vulnerabilities and ensure market stability. The question that I had is, should we be concerned about the remaining XRP balance within these wallets, given that it's 3.6% of the circulating supply, Johnny? So I just wanted to get some thoughts from you here because people were upset that I asked this question. Why am I not allowed to ask this question? It seems very valid. There's almost 2 billion XRP sitting in this account. And if it was compromised, we already know a $200 million compromise caused the price to collapse. What would a 10X of that be, right? So I just wanted to give you a chance to respond here. First of all, do you think the question's valid? Should we be concerned? And second of all, what do you think's going on here with these statements from Brad and Chris? Are they being totally transparent? Well, first of all, the day Americans stop asking questions is the day America dies. So always ask the questions smart. Make sure you keep doing that. Um, you know, I think what they're trying to do here is they're trying to differentiate between Ripple, the company, in the company's wallets where the escrows and things are held versus their personal wallets. And that's where I think everybody's getting confused because they're all thrown around the word Ripple, 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 and Ripple. But what they're trying to say, in my opinion, the way I'm interpreting it is, hey, the Ripple wallets are safe. They're protected. The escrows are in good hands. Our personal wallets, ah, not so safe, you know. But what's interesting, Abs, is when my when my uh, wallet got hacked and I lost my Ripple, you know, XBT, Zach, and all these, and Binance didn't come and try to save us and get ours. But boy, if you're Brad Goghouse or you're Chris Larson, you know, I guess they jump right away to go and save theirs. So kudos, you know, yeah, thanks to all you guys for watching out for the little guy. I guess nobody cares about us little guys, Abs. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I think that's what they're trying to say is, Hey guys, don't worry. The Ripple escrows are safe, but our personal wallets, well, that's what got hacked. And don't worry, Abs, they'll get the majority of it back because, like I said, they are who they are. And another important thing to note, guys, is that people talk about how criminals like to use cryptocurrencies. This is a primary example of why you can't use crypto to, to do a lot of these crimes. The on and off ramps for crypto, meaning when you convert your Bitcoin to US dollar, only happens through a few locations globally. It's Binance. It's Coinbase, it's Crypto.com. There's a couple other global exchanges out there, but what can happen is even if you get stolen funds, when you try to offload these funds, you get shut down by those centralized exchanges, Johnny. So it is beneficial. And, and I do think that argument right there is something Elizabeth Warren should listen to on repeat for quite a while. But I do want to play this video of John Deaton from just yesterday. He was talking about the possibility of a ripple settlement with the SEC and how close we are in those discussions. From John Deaton, here we go. The one thing I can say, and what's this mean for XRP? Um, it means that I don't think there's any talks of settlement. And I've said that for a long time now. Um, they're just not. This is still scorched earth litigation, even in the remedy stage. I don't believe there is. That doesn't mean it won't happen. That doesn't mean that uh, it can't be a phone call and, and come together re rather quickly. It doesn't matter if, that if there's a ruling from this judge and the SEC thinks that they can get more from Ripple in a settlement than, than she might rule, maybe that'll make them come to the table because then they can spin it versus getting another ruling that embarrasses them as an organization. So I'm not saying settlement can't happen or won't happen. I'm just saying, updating you all, that it's not happening today, as far as I know. And this litigation sort of proves that. The one 
So, Johnny, what's your reaction to the fact that Ripple and the SEC don't look like they're going to settle? You know, Abs, at the end of the day, I think the number that the SEC wants to get out of it and the number that Ripple wants to pay are so far off that I don't, we, we may not, listen, the SEC has not made this thing easy for Ripple the whole entire time. What have I been telling you from day one when this happened? Delay, delay, delay. They have delayed and dragged this thing out. We've seen it, and we've seen all the numbers, and Jeremy Hogan put all the stats out, right, that normally cases don't go this long, Abs. No cases go this long. But why did this case go this long? Nobody can answer that question. And why is it still going? Well, they're going to drag this out as long as they possibly can. That's my thinking. So I don't I don't think we're going to settle it. Maybe we will, but I doubt it. I think they're going to drag it out as long as they possibly can. Guys, we got 530 people here. And if you didn't catch the beginning of this episode, we are showing you for the first time ever the trailer for part two of XRP Unleashed on this show. We are going to be showing that for the remaining 10 minutes. So when we get to the 50-minute mark of Good Morning Crypto, I'm going to play this once again so we can discuss it at the end of the episode. But if you're enjoying this content, please support the program. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We are the most consistent crypto team on the planet. Our track record, Johnny, this week we broke 500 episodes of Good Morning Crypto. Wow. So that's pretty exciting as well. Shout out to all the listeners out there. We couldn't do it without each and every single yes, one of you. Thank you. Johnny, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening in the news. And there was an article I wanted to show our listeners where Gary Gensler his time at the SEC may be limited, according to Senator Loomis. His, ter his term at the SEC could be over at the end of 2024. And I think many of our listeners are waiting for this date in order for crypto to get another positive catalyst. So I'm going to play what Senator Loomis had to say about Gensler. This is from Coindesk live last night. Do you think that Gensler should be replaced as the chair of the SEC? You know, my instinct is that Gensler understands this asset class and i i just am speculating that his uh reticence is more political than it is uh a, a misalignment of understanding of the fundamentals boom my job floor is yours johnny we'll move on she nailed it right she uh, let me just say it a little bit easier also because she can't say it in, in regular english yes gary understands this technology better a classic class better than anybody in the world but he's being told what to do and he's a puppet on a string and he's being told you know not to allow crypto innovation to happen right now and that's why he's against it because i've been saying this for a long time if you had a different administration at the top who is pushing a different agenda Gary would be a completely different person. He'd probably be pushing it and helping people understand this space and helping innovate and helping facilitate and enable it. But that's not the orders he's been given. And in case you guys all don't know, if you are, if you're not self-employed, if you work for a company, just look up because you have a boss and your boss tells you what to do. Well, guess what? Gensler is no different. The SEC is not a, an entity that's run on its own. It reports into the administration. And so Gary has a boss and Gary's doing exactly what his boss wants him to do. It's a great question we got from the live chat. This person says, question for Abs and Johnny, would there ever be a certain problem that arises from Ripple and XRP that causes you to feel that maybe XRP won't be as big as we believe it to be? Uh, absolutely. So there's a couple of catalysts, but I don't know if you want me to go deep on this, but one of the things I'm going to be watching for with XRP is what happens after there's complete clarity and this lawsuit is totally behind us. If we're going to continue to see companies around the world leverage other technologies, like 
We played a video earlier this week, Johnny, where Anthony Scaramucci was talking about how he's excited about Algorand. He's excited about Avalanche. Why do you think he always leaves XLM and XRP off these lists? It's because of the relationships behind the scenes. But there's a second theory going on here, guys. The theory is, and, and I want to take this from Mark Yusko, give a shout out to our friend, that there's a lot of people in the financial realm who think that Ripple's mission, even if successful, they're not an advocate for. So I think something that's important to understand is even if Ripple accomplishes what they're what they're talking about, CBDCs, tokenization, global economy, there's a lot of people who are in the open American market like Mark Yusko, like Anthony Scaramucci, who don't agree with the vision. So they're not going to talk about it publicly and they're never going to tell you, oh, XRP's the next big gainer in this bull run. You're only going to see that from crypto YouTubers because we have no traditional alignment. Sorry, we have no alignment to traditional finance. There's nobody in my ear saying, hey, talk about Ethereum or talk about Cardano. Don't talk about XRP. That's why we're so open and transparent on this show. When you're listening to people on CNBC, there's a lot going on in the back of their mind. It's not just brain to mouth on camera. They have uh, incentives. They have political alignment. And Senator Loomis makes a great point when it comes to Gary Gensler. He taught a course at MIT. He talked about Ripple during that time. He understood Ethereum's technology at that time, but he gets into the SEC and all of a sudden he get, he takes a massive dose of amnesia when it comes to these crypto assets. XRP, the technology is the best. It is the best, Johnny Crypto. And we talk about the partnerships, but focus on the technology, guys. Real world asset tokenization is going to take the world by storm. Let's steal a quote from Larry Fink. Every stock, every bond will be tokenized. That's starting in 2024. We don't need XRP to get 100% of that. We literally need 1%. If we can get 1% of the quadrillion dollar market, everybody in our live chat is going to have a dramatically different portfolio. And this is a perfect time to talk about Merlin because you need to go in to Merlin and create a plan, right? You don't even have to do this with Merlin. Take out a sticky note, write down a financial goal. And the next step you're going to have is how do I get there? That's where Merlin comes in. We're going to show you the steps that it takes to reach 100,000, to execute on your price targets. And that's what we talk about every single day. So I'm not a huge fan of that banner. I do think it's very, you know, blinding of the eye, but check out the thing down below. It's 30 days. It's absolutely free. And we plug this thing because we use it, guys. We use this and my portfolio is connected to Merlin for full transparency. But let's focus on what I was addressing really quick. The things to look for with XRP over these next 12 months, Johnny. First of all, resolution of the case. What happens after the case is over? If XRP has full clarity in the US, no SEC lawsuit going on, and we are still trading down while the remainder of this market is trading up into a bull run, I'm going to be skeptical and I'm going to start asking questions. Right now is just a small dose of what we can expect during a bull run. People always talk about this. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but think about this, guys. Everyone says, what is XRP going to be if Bitcoin hits $100,000? Well, I think XRP could be 60 cents, right? The evidence tells us that this market moves together, but it doesn't mean because Bitcoin hits 100,000 that XRP's price is going to be above a dollar. People have been trying to draw that correlation for years, but we're still sitting here below 50 cents. So I'm painting an optimistic picture. Anybody who's fully understanding what I'm saying is that there's a lot of manipulation, a lot of testing behind the scenes, a lot of tokenization products that are going to be implemented in these next two years. And I think XRP will not only capture 1% of the market, 
I think we could see 10% of the market captured when it comes to XRPL tokenization. So let me know in the live chat what you guys think. We got 545 people here. I'm sure a lot of these people haven't seen the XRP trailer yet, Johnny. So I feel like we should just dive straight well, into no, 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 hold on. You said a lot there. Let me let me get a comment in here if you can before you hop to the trailer. Yep. So I want to talk about, you know, so abs, here's one way to think about this is at the end of the day, you said something big, right? You're like, if it gets 1%, it gets 2%. It's got the monk ants back when it settles. Well, here's the thing. The world typically works where it's forward-looking. Markets look forward-looking. Speculation. Okay? Now, when the great news came out that this thing was not a, not a security, that theoretically is a very, for, you know, you should have seen more money come into the space because of the forward-looking speculation in there. And instead, what we saw was money come in and then money come out. Not a good thing. I know nobody's going to like it. Everybody's going to hate me or whatever. You can hate me. I'm, I'm still going to come and tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. And the fact that money came in and then money came out and it didn't hold tells me that there's not a really strong speculative narrative here. That's why I've been saying for a while that what drove this thing and drove the price high in 2017 was a great narrative of this thing being a solution for you know solving you know, the entire world's problem of cross-border payments. That was a great narrative. There were less coins and money found its way into there. But since then, since then, we've never seen that same amount of money and liquidity find its way in here with all this good news it's had, right? The fact that it's the only coin that theoretically is, is not a security. It doesn't matter that the settlement piece between Ripple and that whole piece with Brad, that you know, that, that more personal thing or the, or the part on, the fact that a portion of it was considered a security for the institutional trading. I mean, we're not, that wasn't necessarily what was driving everything or holding it back. It was, no, Johnny did not. Okay. So see, I knew this was going to happen. Just for a record, I did not sell any of my XRP. I'm holding it all. I'm just saying, guys, if you aren't paying attention and reading the data and making decisions on new information that's coming in, you're selling yourself short. Just read the tea leaves. Nobody is saying that XRP still doesn't have potential. All we're saying is right now, today, no matter how you look at it, Abs, just like you said, Bitcoin could be 100000 and XRP could still be a dollar or 60 cents, or it could go higher. We don't know. And the inverse and the inverse is that Bitcoin could be $70,000 and some major catalyst takes us well beyond what we're anticipating, like tokenization, like Bingo. stocks and bonds being digitalized. So a it's new... not negative. It's just about addressing where we are correctly. Right. And we would be, I think we'd be doing our community, our files at the service if we aren't saying to you guys, hey guys, the, the narrative of being cross-border solution, it's tired. It's a tired narrative. It isn't working no more. There needs to be a new narrative that XRP solves that I think will drive new money into this space. And I think we may start hearing about some of those new narratives like tokenization solution, custody solutions, AMM solutions, right? All these things can drive, can be there to play and drive XRP up. But remember, it's like anything. XRP is competing with 13,000 other coins for money. That's how you have to think about it. There's 13,000 coins in the space that want the pool of what are we at? 1.3 trillion? What's the market cap today in crypto? Whatever, well, you get the point. If we're at 1.2, 1.3 trillion, there's 13,000 coins fighting for that same pool of money, Abs. So why? So it's just this simple. At the end of the day, you know, woman goes out, you got to dress up, 
nice, pretty, right? And you go get them in. Well, XRP's got to dress up nice and pretty and go find that money to draw it in, and then you'll see the price go up. That's the best analogy I can give. I want our listeners, put a one in the live chat if you think XRP will break all-time high this bull cycle. Put a two in the live chat if you think XRP will be below that $3.80 mark all the way through to the end of this bull market. But guys, we got 555 people here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to get right into this. This is XRP Unleashed Part 2 of the trailer. And what's very interesting is they're focused on ETHgate. Here we go. So I think you'll... Uh... You'll dig this as something that we made in the office on, on ETHgate. Gave a speech and they cashed it. And everybody recognizes that gentleman right there, Bill Hinman. Bill Hinman came to the stand in 2018 and gave his famous speech where he declared that Ethereum wasn't a security. The SEC tried to allege that all sales of XRP were an unregistered securities offering. December 21st, Brad Garlinghouse came out and basically informed the world that uh, they were soon going to be sued by the SEC. SEC is preparing to sue that crypto startup for selling unlicensed securities. Can you explain your view of whether Ethereum is a security or not, but then why you believe that Ripple is a security? We don't get involved in, in these types of public forums talking about any one uh, project. We believe current offers and sales of Ether are not securities transactions. The SEC is trying to capture the digital asset space. They went after Ripple and specifically XRP is because it was the biggest threat to the incumbent banking and financial system. You know, the United States government is probably the biggest bully in the world. I read the complaint and it was terrible news. People are going to lose money and people had their life savings in XRP. All right, welcome to Regulatory Capture 101, also known as ETHgate. Oh boy, I can't wait. I can't wait for this to come out, to go down this rabbit hole and see where we land, Abs. It's really, really, look at that, look at that wall. Look at that wall right there. Oh baby, this is going to be very, very interesting when we get down to the bottom of ETHgate and see, you know, how this whole thing played out and it's, it's going to smell, it ain't going to smell pretty when we get down there, but I'm so excited that, you know, shout out to fruition productions for putting this thing together and really going down there and exposing this whole entire thing and what's happening here. Abs. I'm very excited for this. I, I also want to point out a couple of the big names on this list, guys, they're going to take us down the Ethereum rabbit hole. And I think what's exciting about this documentary in particular is highlighting people like John D and highlighting people who were affected by the lawsuit. This is set to launch in Q4 of 2024, but it may take until Q1 of 2025. These types of documentaries, they have to be approved by Netflix and Netflix decides when they officially launch. But it's a very exciting update because this is something that's never happened before, right? It's very interesting when you talk about the evolution of the crypto market and what narratives are going to dominate going forward. If we see Ethereum get exposed for what happened during the launch, that's going to dramatically change the way people not only think about crypto, but think about the entire crypto market, Johnny. They're going to know that United States regulators were working together to give certain projects a free pass. It's unbelievable. And it may be to, to the community that's familiar with this. It sounds like 
oh, this is old news. We all know this information. If you turn on the mainstream news, none of this has been addressed. So I'm hoping that this gives a platform for people like John Deaton to get mass exposure. But Johnny, we only got two, three minutes left. What were some of your takeaways? Yeah, I think abs at the end of the day, this is really eye-opening. It's gonna, there's some serious players in here. There's more. They're only there and they're still in the process of recording and filming, guys. So there's still a lot more to come as they go down and, and bring this thing to fruition. I think we all know abs at the end of the day. There was 15 million banana reasons, 15 million reasons why Inman wanted to uh, say that this thing was not a security. We all know the story. We've been there. We've been through this. We know who walked away with some big paychecks. Uh, that's just unfortunately at the end of the day, like I always tell you, it's not what you know, it's who you know. People had the right connections, the right things were done, and some people walked away very, very happy with big bank accounts. And now, will they be held accountable? That is a $64,000 question. Johnny Crypto, let's close out this show with an interesting article about SpaceX partnering with Elon Musk and the Teflon Don himself, Jed McCaleb, having ties to the crypto industry. Space Startup partners with SpaceX to launch commercial space station Vast, a startup backed by cryptocurrency billionaire Jed McCaleb, is aiming to launch a school bus-sized station into orbit by 2025 with an official partner of SpaceX, Elon Musk Space Company. We've also got massive names such as Jeff Bezos in the mix, as Jeff Bezos was awarded a $415 million development from, from his company Blue Origins. The ISS is expected to retire in 2030, and they're planning on launching this new ship, a football field-sized space station, Johnny Crypto, costing nearly $100 billion. This is anticipated to launch between 2028 and 2030. So very interesting to see the XLM founder, Jed McCaleb, partnering with Elon Musk, as well as Jeff Bezos, tells me the tier of community and tier of class that he's speaking with. But what were some of the biggest point things that stuck out to you? What have I told you? Hold on, let me grab it. Yeah, there's a reason why. He's the Teflon, crypto Teflon Dom, Jim McAuliffe. Guys, you know, it's not what you know. It's who you know. I've always felt he's been in the, you know, he's got friends in high high places. And, you know, here's further validation of that. No surprise. I'm zero surprise. Zero surprise that Jed's name is anywhere in any of this stuff. You know, SpaceX, XLM. In fact, I ain't going to lie. Part of the reason why I'm super bullish on XLM Yes, I have that in my bags too. No, I haven't sold any. The reason why I'm super is because of Jim McCaleb and the ability to see him get go literally untarnished through the Ripple case, the Mount Gox case. Like everything slips off this guy. He's got connections. And as you know, he was one of the key, um, as he left XRP or left the company, went and started XLM. There's no question that the two companies would do a lot. We know behind the scenes, there's probably a lot of conversations happening because that guy is well, well connected. And believe me, my friend, connections matter. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Johnny, to close this show out, 30 seconds here. Do you believe that tokenization does affect the crypto market in 2024? Uh, from a speculative perspective, yes. It will definitely be a huge narrative. You'll hear about. I think the biggest narratives you're going to hear about are spec. Oh, spec the biggest narratives you're going to hear about is organization, AI, big data, gaming. I personally think those are going to be the ones. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. Absolutely, guys. And I want to give a special thank you to Johnny Crypto. We got 494 people in the live chat. If you enjoyed today's episode, show us some love. Smash that like button. We're wishing you all an amazing weekend. We'll see you guys in 72 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, 
Ah, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Let's go.